0: Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have a lot of really... Uh, Great topics to dive into another Q&A here on the podcast, Uh, but first and foremost, before anything, before we dive into any of the awesome questions that I got uh, over the past week, I want to let you know that coaching applications are live. If you are listening to this on Monday, May 2nd or after coaching applications are now live, hit the coaching link in the show notes to this episode that will take you to my coaching page. You can learn what online fitness coaching is all about. You can learn how we might work together to put together a program for you, and you can also read some of the testimonials of uh, past and current clients to hear about some of the things that we've worked on together to help them achieve their goals. I actually, just this week, published a few brand new testimonials of some amazing, amazing people uh, that I've had the pleasure of working with and um i think you'd love to read their stories even if you're not interested in coaching but would highly recommend you hit that link to my coaching page like i said it's in the show notes and if you're interested in talking about what a program might look like for you uh, you can apply for coaching and i will reach out and uh, follow up and we can talk a bit about what your goals are and how we might be able to work together to achieve them so um, i really i hope to hear from you if uh, you are interested or have questions um, you know this is a great Great time, the beginning of May. Uh, I think a lot of people start to think about summer vacations, going to the beach, going to the pool, going to the lake, whatever plans you may have, Um, and slimming down, building muscle, burning fat, looking your best for all of those uh, events that you have coming up. And if that sounds like you, I would love to help you get there. Really, What my goal is, is to uh, help people learn how to do this stuff the right way and make change make sustainable lifestyle habits change that is going to last you uh, for the duration of your lifetime. The, the, The biggest thing that I stress with anybody that comes into my coaching program is that I not only want you to make progress while we're working together, but I want to see you maintain that progress long after we've stopped working together. And Uh, How we achieve that in large part is making this as much of an educational experience as it possibly can. I have exclusive modules about training and nutrition that I share with my clients that are deep dives into different aspects of the fundamental principles of strength training, of cardio, of nutrition that you really need to know. These are things that we should have been taught in middle school or in high school, but never were. And they can really help guide you and, and help you make the progress you want now. But then after you make that progress, Set bigger and better goals for yourself and understand also how to manipulate change within your diet or your training to, you know, go in whatever route you decide you want to in the future. Um, We also do weekly check ins where we do a deep dive into, you know, how the past week has gone. What was your training like? What was your nutrition like? What was life like outside of the program Um, and we really dive into each and every detail of your life to make sure that for the week ahead we're setting you up for success. This is a really um, intensive individualized approach to uh, personal training. Uh, That's what online fitness coaching is and if that sounds like something that you're interested in or if you've been spinning your wheels and you can't quite figure out how to do this stuff uh, appropriately on your own That's why I'm here and I would love to help you out. So like I said, coaching link is in the show notes. Coaching applications are live now and this is for uh, anybody that wants to jump in this summer and start making some progress and developing sustainable, healthy lifestyle habits that you can use for the rest of your life. So uh, if you're interested, I hope to hear from you. But okay, let's dive into um, the episode today. I have five questions that I wanna dive into, really good questions that I got on my Instagram. I've been doing Q&As every Thursday on my Instagram and been getting just really amazing questions. And uh, it makes sense to answer them there, and not only there, but bring some of them onto the podcast and answer them here too, because oftentimes, talking about them on the podcast helps just add extra context and clarity to, you know, how you can, um, how, whatever the answer is to your question and how you can move forward appropriately. So, some of the questions I have are about how to squat appropriately um, without any type of injury or pain or discomfort. Um, I got a question about Zone 2 Cardio, what it is, how much you should do. Zone 2 Cardio is a really popular thing popping up in the fitness industry, and I love it. Um, I honestly love it, so I- I'm excited to dive into uh, that topic today. Um, I have somebody asking about how you know it's tough to get full workouts in with their current work and life schedule and are, are there benefits to short bursts of exercise throughout the day um, somebody saying I can't keep my heels on the ground when I squat and is that okay so we'll talk a bit about mobility And then finally, tips on how to achieve your first push-up. If you can't do a push-up or if you want to get better at push-ups, we're going to dive into what the progressions can look like to help you either nail that first push-up or build up your strength with push-ups. So super excited to dive in and uh, I won't read you through any more promos. Let's just get right into it. Okay, question number one, no matter how light or heavy I squat, I always pull a bustle I always pull a muscle in my back. Do you have any tips or alternatives? And um, I don't necessarily have alternatives. Like, this it probably depends on... I'm going to guess that this is like you're doing a barbell back squat. And um, because otherwise... I suppose you could hurt your back doing other types of squats, but that's probably, you're probably having a back issue because you're loading up a bar with a decent amount of weight, putting it on your back to squat. Um, it could also potentially happen with other versions of the squat, like a goblet squat or something like that, but that's probably less likely. So, um, I guess like, you know, any tips or alternatives in terms of alternatives, there are obviously, you know, a ton of different variations of squats that you can do. So, If a barbell back squat does not agree with you, um, you could do a barbell front squat or you could do, like I mentioned, a goblet squat or you could do a Bulgarian split squat or you could do lunges. There are a number of ways to target the primary muscle groups that a squat does, which is the squat is predominantly a quad dominant exercise. So there are a bunch of different ways that you can continue squatting, continue doing that motor pattern, but um, maybe not you know, put that stress on your back. So those are all perfectly viable alternatives. But the other things that I kind of want to focus on more here in terms of tips are, I, I truly believe that most people and, and the vast majority of people um, should probably be able to do a squat like this. You should probably be able to put a bar on your back and squat, um, without pain. And now that's not the case. The majority of people probably, you know, have some work to do to be able to do that. And that's understandable. And there's a way to work you in that progression, but like we all should be able, there are a number of motor patterns that everybody should be doing. One of them is squatting. I also say pressing, rowing, pulling, stuff like that. Um, so I would really, rather than like try and do a different type of exercise, I would rather you focus in on your own mobility and try and maybe pinpoint why this might be happening, why you might be having the issue where you pull a muscle in your back. Um, Could it be because you have problems with hip mobility or knee mobility or ankle mobility? Because even though it's your back that's getting hurt, it could be getting thrown off because something in your lower body isn't moving right, which is putting more stress and more weight on your back. And then you're hurting your back when you squat. Um, Or it could also be an upper body mobility issue where, you know, you just have a tight back and I've had this happen before where um, I have a tight, I tend to have personally a tight mid-back, a tight thoracic spine. And I have to regularly do stretches to um, help just keep that area loose enough that I can move well. And that's pretty common. You know, like nowadays, so many of us work at desk jobs where we're just sitting all the time. You, you need to do some mobility so that you're not all tightened up and hunched over. So that that could be playing a role here too is, is that you may have a back mobility issue or something like that. What I would recommend you do to address this is lighten the load and try recording yourself doing the movement. Record yourself doing a few sets of squats from different angles. You could do one from straight on, do one from the side, do one from an angle behind you uh, just to get a look at how your ankles are moving, how your knees are moving, how your hips are moving, um, and how your back positioning looks while you're squatting. Because this is something that's super easy to do, and and I do this with clients all the time, and, and, and it's so beneficial because a lot of people have never actually seen themselves do an exercise. You can look at yourself in the mirror at most gyms, but like to actually see yourself from multiple angles, like a personal trainer would do, we now have the technology to be able to do that set by set you can record every single set and after you do a set look at it you know what I mean uh, so I would really highly recommend that you do form check videos for this, this exercise and really any other exercise in your routine that maybe you uh, aren't sure about or you have questions about or you just want to make sure you're doing it correctly And then dive back into that footage and look, because oftentimes if you have a recurring problem with a certain exercise, or if you're feeling pain with a certain exercise and it continues to happen, if you record a few sets at a few different angles and you look at those in depth, I bet you, you start to notice some things about your form and technique that you can tweak. And then from there, hopefully, you know, again, doing this with lightweight, hopefully be able to dial in that form and technique and then add weight back on over time. Uh, But this is a great, example honestly of like how having a coach can be super beneficial because I do this with all of my clients. I say, "Hey, like sometimes I'll put in their program, I want you to record one set of this. It could be like barbell row or a deadlift or a squat or something like that." And also, I always tell all my clients, "If you ever have questions about an exercise, you don't have to wait for me to ask you to do a form check, record a video, let's do a form check of it." And um we almost always are able to pinpoint something little it's normally not something huge it's normally something very little like Widening the stance or changing the direction of where your toes are pointing, or like, hey, we got to do some of this specific hip circle mobility before you squat. Like, we'll find something very small that we can tweak, and it makes a huge impact because we did a form check. We recorded sets of that exercise. So, I would highly recommend that. Question number two What is zone two cardio, and how much should I do? And honestly, this was me piecing two different questions from two different people together. And like I said at the beginning of the episode a few minutes ago, zone two cardio has become a hot topic, um, and I have learned a lot of zone about Zone 2 Cardio from uh, someone who I consider to be a mentor to me as a coach, uh, Jordan Syatt, and I actually had Jordan on uh, my podcast uh, a couple months ago, and we talked about Zone 2 Cardio, so if you want a much deeper dive into what Zone 2 Cardio is and like its application and how you might be able to apply it to what you do, and really more so than anything, why it's so important. I would recommend you go back through my podcast feed. You'll see it says podcast with Jordan site. We talk a lot about it, but, um, zone two cardio is essentially getting your heart rate in a zone that allows your heart to expand and contract the largest volume of blood flow. Um, and Jordan Jordan explains this much more. He articulates it much better than I probably will right here. But um, in, in a sense, what I learned from him is that, you know, if you get into highly intense cardio, your heart works really hard, but the uh, chambers of your heart are expanding and contracting so quickly that they don't fully fill up with blood. But this zone two is kind of a sweet spot where it allows your heart to really fill up with the maximum capacity of blood and then, you know uh it, it, it fills up with that blood and then it sends it through your system now uh, the way you can figure out what what zone two cardio is for you it tends to be like 65 to 75 percent of your heart rate max if you don't know how to calculate your heart rate max it is you take the number 220 and you subtract your age from it and then that is what a ballpark, number would be for what your maximum heart rate is. So like for me, uh, 220 minus uh, 35, I'm 35 years old, 220, I'm going to do math on the fly here, 220 minus uh, 35 would be 185, right? Is that right? 185, 95, 05, 15. Yeah. So 185 would be like right around my max heart rate. Uh, and then you would take a percentage of that. So like if I wanted 65% of my max heart rate, I would take 65% of 185. Um, so that range 65 to 75% of your heart rate max is, is generally zone two. Like that's a good ballpark. Obviously there are individual differences for everybody and, and what your current fitness level looks like may make it higher than that or, or lower than that uh, but that's a good place to start Jordan also talked about this talk test which is a, a you know it, it's a there are less numbers involved in terms of using this to figure out how to um, figure out your where your zone 2 cardio is and it's essentially while you're doing cardio, zone two would be in the range of like you would be able to say around 12 words before you had to take a deep breath in to continue talking. So if you were going on like a fast walk or a, a jog with somebody and you guys were talking while you're doing that jog or that fast walk, every 12 words or so, if you had to take, find yourself taking a deep breath in, that means you're probably in zone two. If it's fewer than 12 words, if it's like 10 or 8 or 6, the intensity of your cardio would be high, higher than zone two. It would be like zone three or zone four. And if it's more than 12, if you're doing 15 or 20 words, then you're probably in like zone one cardio and that's not intense enough. Um, so those are the general ways you can figure out where zone two cardio would be for you in terms of how much you should do again this is going to kind of depend on what your current fitness level is like it's going to be different for everybody um but i really like to i don't know some people have a problem with this i really like to just use the physical activity recommendations for americans because like Um, That says 150 minutes of moderate exercise uh, per week or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise per week. And if you take 100, so zone two cardio would be moderate intensity. We're not getting high intensity here. So if you take that 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio um, and go split it across the week, that's like right around 20 minutes a day. And I think that's really appropriate. Like I think everybody should probably be doing 20 minutes of some type of moderate intensity cardio or exercise a day. Um, now, understandably, not everybody has the time in their schedule to do that much cardio Every day, things come up. You have kids, family, work, uh, life happens. Um, So you could even look at scaling it back a little bit. Five days a week, do a half hour of zone two cardio. That would get you to 150 minutes a week. I think that's a good number to, to strive for. With that said, if you're not doing anywhere close to that, I would not recommend you go from like 30 minutes of cardio a week to 150 minutes of cardio a week. I would recommend that you set some goals along the way to eventually get you to 150 minutes. So if you're doing 30 minutes this week, maybe add 10 minutes a week until you get up to 150 minutes of zone two cardio a week. But I think those are good places to start and you will certainly, most certainly Radically improve your health if you're uh, doing 150 minutes of zone two cardio uh, a week. And like I said, I don't think that that's too much to ask. I don't think that that is some crazy amount of cardio uh, that that is unachievable or unrealistic. Question number three: It's tough to get in full workouts with my schedule. Are there benefits to short bursts of exercise throughout the day? And in a word. Absolutely, There absolutely are benefits to short bursts of exercise um, throughout the day. And, you know, we've learned a lot recently with new research that's come out about just the health benefits of even walking and how it can dramatically decrease your mortality rate. And obviously, you're not walking all day, right? You probably have. Short bursts of walking throughout the day where you got to go to the grocery store or you have to go to the mall to pick something up or you have to go pick up your kids or, uh, or maybe you actually do go for a walk for 10 or 15 minutes. Short bursts of exercise are absolutely beneficial for your overall health. Um, so we can start right there. First and foremost, for your overall health, it's absolutely beneficial. Um, there's an article on my website about, you know, how many steps a day should you take to, for better health, and uh, what research has found recently is for every thousand steps more you take a day, your, mortality, your all-cause mortality rate, you, the, the chances of you dropping dead based on anything, reduces by 12%. And this goes all the way up to, I think, around 16,000 steps a day. So taking more steps, first and foremost, is going to be incredibly beneficial for you. Now, if you have other goals like building endurance, building strength, building muscle, um, or even if you want to burn fat, short bursts of exercises still are uh, very beneficial. There's a lot you can do in a 15 to 20 minute strength training session that can have massive benefits. And it's all about the way you structure it, to be quite honest. Yeah, you can get in more work, like total work volume in the gym. You can get in more if you're there for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, but you don't have to be. You could be in the gym for 20 minutes a few times a week and still see dramatic dramatic change, Um, you just need to maximize that shorter period of time. And you also need to understand that when you are training for a shorter period of time, you need to be giving that training session your all, your full focus and your full effort. So, you know, it's, it's not like you can do a set, jump on your phone, see what's going on on social media. And then whenever you decide to put the phone back down, you do another set. No, it's like, hey, for these 15 to 20 minutes, This is the only thing that matters, and I am putting my absolute full intensity and effort into the training session. And I have clients that do uh, shorter training sessions because they have to. And the way we typically structure it, uh, is starting it off with a compound exercise. So going back to that first question, you know, I talked about those motor patterns. I think everybody should be doing, uh, we'll start with a squat or a row or a press or a deadlift. Um, and we'll give that our full attention for the first five to six minutes, do three sets, each set you, you do the eight to 10 reps or whatever it might be. You take, 45 to 60 seconds of rest and then you get right back into it do that three times that's about five to six minutes and then after that we'll hop into two or three supersets and what a superset is is where you do multiple exercises back to back I also have an article on my website are supersets good for muscle growth um, you could check that out if you want to learn more about supersets but they're extremely effective they're not better or worse for muscle growth but what they are is a way to structure your training and, and schedule your training so that you are making the absolute most of your time and ramping up the intensity of the training sessions. So, you know, if you started off with a compound pressing exercise. Let's say you did a dumbbell chest press. That's your first exercise. You could follow that up with a shoulder superset. You could follow it up with back-to-back doing, uh, this is one that I program for like all of my clients, is doing lateral raises immediately followed by reared out flies. So you're hitting two heads of the shoulder back-to-back um and you know w- that's going to get you a ton of work in a really short period of time and those are small muscle groups so they recover pretty quickly which means you can go pretty quickly through that superset and then you know maybe you finish it off with some arm work you do some bicep curls immediately followed by tricep pushdowns or or, or dumbbell skull crushers or something like that you can do these supersets to get in twice as much work in the same amount of time that you would traditionally do one set and uh You know, like I said, as long as you're putting your full effort and intensity into it, you can get a ton out of a 15 to 20 minute strength training session. And you can still certainly build muscle, still certainly build strength, still certainly burn fat. Um, but it's just about, you know, being able to package this stuff together appropriately. And, and, uh, like I said, give it your, your, your best effort. And again, you know, this is a great way for, uh, you to utilize a coach if that's something that you're interested in, because, um, it takes the guesswork out of it. If you say to a coach, I got 15 minutes to 20 minutes to work out, uh, three times a week. I don't know how to make the best of that do you the coach should be able to say yeah absolutely we can make the most out of that here's what you have to do so that takes all the guesswork out of it and just lets you show up do the work carve out those 15 to 20 minutes and put your best effort forward question number four let's go back to the squat this question is i can't keep my heels on the ground when i squat is that okay um and i think the answer is mostly that's The answer is mostly no. I would say most of the time for most people, no, you should be able to get to a place where you can keep your heels on the ground when you squat. And if your heels are coming up, it's probably a mobility issue and we need to fix that. Now, there are a decent amount of people who do all the mobility work and still have limited ankle flexion. And you can get past that by buying a squat shoe that is designed to alleviate that, that problem. Um, so I guess we can start there and I'm not thrilled with starting there cause I don't think this is the solution, but like I said, for a small percentage of people, you may need to buy a squat shoe with an elevated heel. Um, or you could slide some small five pound plates underneath your heels so that you're toes are on the ground but your heels are resting on the weight plate because that elevates your heel um and you know that's the elevated heel in the shoe or those five pound plates is probably going to give you an extra quarter inch to half inch uh of flexion that your ankle can't do by itself and that allows you to keep those heels stable while you're squatting having your heels stable while squatting is really important so those are the alternatives. Those are the ways to get around this issue, but I, I wouldn't recommend you start there. I would not recommend you just try and get around the issue. I would recommend you start by looking at your mobility. Talked before about doing form check videos and evaluating how you look while you squat. That's probably a great thing to do here as well. Um, this normally starts with a ankle mobility issue, so you could look up... Um, different ankle mobility routines to do to not only test what your ankle mobility looks like, but find a way to improve your ankle mobility and then incorporate those types of mobility exercises into your warm up before you squat. And hey, if you're not doing a warm up before you squat, <laughs> then that's the first place to start. Um, you may just need to simply do an active warm up where you're getting your joints loose so that you can uh, effectively be able to squat but this is normally a mobility issue the mobility issue is normally in the ankle joint Um, sometimes it could be the knee or the hip joint but uh, normally it's in the ankle joint and it's something that I would consider right off the bat probably is it okay no let's try to address it with mobility work and if mobility work still can't address it then maybe you go the direction of getting a squat shoe or trying to squat on some five pound plates or something like that last question of this episode tips on how to achieve my first push-up I love this question push-up is so underrated it is such an underrated exercise and I think a lot of people discredit how strong you need to be to do a push-up because I don't know think about the amount of people you know and think about of all like your best friends and family how many of them can do a push-up and I'll, I'll, I'll wait here while you think about that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make, make you sit through silence. But the, I, I would assume that very few of your friends and family can actually do a push-up right now. And I think um, that's a shame. <laughs> but again, it, it, it speaks to how hard it is to do a push-up. And if you can't just get down on the ground and do one push-up, that doesn't mean you can't ever do push-ups. There are progressions doing push-ups. I'll walk you through the best ways to start. So if you can't do a push-up, a standard push-up on the ground, on your hands and on your toes, then where I want you to go from there is something you're probably familiar with, which is push-ups from your knees. Um, that helps you know, reduce the angle and, and get less of your body weight on top of the pressing for a push-up. Now, if you cannot do those from your knees, that's also okay. Where I would recommend you go from there is to do a push-up, uh, an elevated push-up, where the best way to describe this is if you have your feet on the ground and you have put your hands on the side of a weight bench, you know, like where you would traditionally do a dumbbell chest press. On the side of that, put your two hands there, step your feet out back behind you, and do push-ups elevated at an angle like that. That should make it easier than what a kneeling push-up would be. And if you cannot do that, Hey, guess what? That's still okay. You can do these standing on a wall. So, the easiest push up progression would be to be standing, I don't know, three to four feet away from a wall, or maybe not even that far if you can't uh, manage it right now. Uh, but take at least a few steps back from a wall, put your hands up on the wall, and do push ups on the wall. And so now I'll walk you back in the other direction. So we start on the wall. And once you get good at being able to do several sets of several reps of push-ups, standing, leaning into the wall, then I want you to go to that next one, which is elevated on a weight bench. And again, work on those until you can build up your volume of doing multiple sets with multiple reps. Then go down to your knees. Again, once you can build up a volume of multiple sets and multiple reps, you can try doing the standard push-up. And it should work you in that direction of being able to do standard push-ups and you know once you get your first push-up that may be all you can do is one so do that one and then drop down to your knees and do some more and you'll continue to build up the strength and build up the volume and build the muscle that allows you to do more push-ups over time it's not going to get fixed overnight it's going to be a process but you absolutely can do it and now the other thing i would say is Pressing exercises, so strength training exercises that involve pressing, also will help. Exercises that will help you develop the strength to do a push-up are overhead press, so pressing dumbbells or a barbell over your head, um, and your traditional chest press. So if you're doing either a machine press or a dumbbell press or a a barbell bench press, any of those will help you continue to build the strength and build the muscle necessary to do a push up. But those push up progressions specifically. I mean, that's the specificity. If you want to get good at a specific exercise, you need to practice that exercise. So those progressions, first and foremost, are going to help you the most. And then other pressing exercises will help complement what you're trying to do. That's going to wrap this one up. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. And like I said, uh, I do those every Thursday on Instagram. So if you're not following me, I'm I'm Chris Gates Fitness everywhere on social media. Uh, So just look me up, give me a follow, and look out for... Uh, the question sticker every Thursday morning. And uh, if I really like your question, I'll put it on the podcast. Um, but those were really good. And like I led off with, if if you're interested in getting some help, if you need some help or if you want some guidance or if you finally want to get on a personalized plan that actually is tailored to you, I'm not talking about like a swipe workout on Instagram. I'm not talking, talking about some template that you found online from Googling. Uh, I'm talking about, going through a customized process where i help you dig into what you like, what you dislike, what your training history is like, what your health history is like and and really create a program with training and nutrition that's specific to you and that's going to work you in the right direction now and serve you well for the rest of your life. Let's talk. Hit that coaching link in the show notes, uh, fill out the coaching application form, and we can talk a bit more about what your goals are, how I might be able to help, and what a program might look like for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon.